I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's most family-friendly podcast network. Welcome to Bookish. I'm George Demarellis. This is a show where we ask you what's your story and what does it say about you. Today on the show, we have a person of many talents, started off in journalism before going into become her own entrepreneur, starting with a kid's book and then ending up creating a multinational, I guess, empire of hot sauce uh, called Shit the Bed. You might have heard of it. And her name is Renee Bunster. How are you doing, Renee? How was that intro? Oh, George, that was great. You know, I should tell anyone listening I put a lot of pressure on George I said you got to know who I am before I come on you're not allowed to you are not allowed to start podcasts by saying hi Renee tell us a bit about yourself oh if I get that on a podcast I hang up and I I pretend that the internet dropped out and I just go (laughs) you've actually done that before (laughs) no I'm not that rude but I I threaten. I threaten to do that. Yeah, and look, it works. I uh, <laughs> anyone listening will be like, "Wow, that was more detailed than his introductions usually." <laughs> that he's ever done. <laughs> and slightly, str- and there was this note of panic in his voice, which isn't usually there either. <laughs> uh, it's because, um, yeah, I was a television journalist for many years, so I've been uh, in front of the camera, behind the camera. I've done radio. I've done all of that. I've had to write the bios. I've been the one who's had to do the research. A guest will be coming on a show, so I have to do heaps of research and write this perfect little intro for the presenter that the presenter can just go, oh, don't I sound really great? Like I've done lots of research when it was me out the back who did all the work. And when I go on shows and someone hasn't even done five minutes of research, nah, nah, I'm done. But, George, you've done it. We can continue. We can continue. I've passed. Okay. Whew, the first test is passed. <laughs> I feel very relieved. <laughs> um, no, that's – so because so, how long were you in the journalism? Like is that actually what you like – did you study journalism in – Yeah, I went to the Academy of Performing Arts in WA, the WA Academy of Performing Arts. I think that's our, the only way you're allowed to most, say that. <laughs> yeah, our most successful – it's called Whopper. Yeah, yeah. And I was, in, I was in the soda school. It sounds like burger, burgerology school. Mm. Um Hugh Jackman is our most proudest alumni. Mm-hmm. He was in the musical theatre department and he he now comes back and, like, donates money to the uni. He's such a legend. Yeah, but I so I did broadcasting and then I – and so that was, like, in the 90s. So I've had my finger in this pie for over 20 years now. Right. Well, I mean, that's – because your pie is – your finger's not in the pie quite as much now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, when I used to work at Reuters International News Agency in London and there was a woman there who was a former lawyer who'd become a journalist and she said, every day I use my legal skills basically to help the company not get sued when idiots like you defame people, Renee. Ha, ha, ha. And we used to laugh about how she had this amazing legal experience and now in my hot sauce business as an entrepreneur, I use all of my communication and journalism skills every single day. Like right now, I'm broadcasting and sort of promoting the hot sauce, but using skills that I've had from this prior life. So it's never a waste. 
you know, some people think, say to me, oh, why didn't you, don't you wish you started making hot sauce 20 years ago? I'm like, no, because I wouldn't have had all these skills that are helping me to promote it now. So, yeah. I mean, that's, who's asking that? <laughs> like, think about how much the perfect timing is of the moment where you come um, up with it. It's it's my dad, George. Oh, okay. It's my dad. Yeah, <laughs> dad's like, if you had a started, you know, you could have, you know, that was just a waste of time, wasn't it, all that stuff in London? <laughs> oh no, God. dad, it was fun. It was good fun. Wow. I mean, like, as in, I'm getting an insight immediately into maybe where some of your drive might come from as well. <laughs> the dad. <laughs> Just, yeah, to go to the other side of the world, get away from them. Was that was that partially the reason, potentially, or was it? Um... No, actually, it's a real rite of passage for a lot of young Australians to go over to London, but the people from Perth, because it's so boring here, and it's London's actually so close, you know, we can, we've got direct flights, 16 hours. So the way that people on the East Coast can get to LA direct in 14, 15 hours, we can get direct to London now. Mm. I, the quickest I ever got there was in 18 hours through Singapore. But we we just all got, everyone from Perth goes to London and does the two-year working holiday, but I ended up staying 10 years. 10 years? 10 years, hard time. Wow. Was that like, and that was that straight out of uni? No, I did a couple of, I got there when I was 24. So I had a bit of, bit of experience under my belt. Well, it, it's funny saying that, yeah, because I actually, I originally actually, when I got out of uni, I lived in Sydney. And uh, there was also an influx from uh, all people from WA there, like to Sydney. Yeah. It just seems like everyone who's at a certain age leaves for at least a bit to go and uh, check out the rest of the world, it seems like. Uh, go somewhere and just whinge for a while about how bad the beaches are and how bad the traffic is and how there's no parking and the rent's too expensive and then just come back to Perth and and appreciate it, appreciate everything we have here. This is what we've we've finally realised COVID has taught us all that we there's a lot of benefits to living in the most isolated capital city in the whole world. Mm. Like we had no COVID. Yeah. Like nah. Yeah. I also think like a lot of people learned to chill out a bit. Like I know with my comedy, I learned not to be too ambitious yeah. this year until next year. That's yeah. when things get yeah. kind of more I like how it's just COVID made everyone just go, ah, oh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. That is hilarious. Well, okay, so so it does seem to suit your lifestyle. So actually, just to go, let's go chronologically since it's probably easier. So you you were doing the London lifestyle for ten years. You're saying, um, yeah. did you uh, did you meet your husband there, or was it afterwards? Or I did actually. I'd been there for five years, living it up, and then I would always come back to Perth and spend about three months here over the summer. Right. And I met him on my, my first night out. I went to a party and I met him and then he just started stalking me. Some people call it wooing. Some people call it love at first sight. I called it stalking and he just followed me around and then he followed me back to London. Back to London? So I can't get rid of this guy. Now he's <laughs> like quit his job and works on my business Oh, can't no. get rid of this guy, oh, George. I'll tell you what. So, in so, other yeah. words, so what you're telling me is stalking works is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I was every, every year, you know, I put on Facebook, you know, just want to remind all the girls out there that, you know, just be really careful of your drinks at Christmas parties because my drink got spiked 10 years ago and now I can't get rid of this guy. He's knocked me up twice, basically. I think that's just alcohol, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> And we're thankful for it every day. <laughs> yeah. Guys. Well, that's that's why everybody now knows about my – people sort of knew about shit the bed, but last year during lockdown, 
just one crazy thing happened after the other and we invented shit the bed vodka. We got these these awesome distillers to create this vodka that had all the flavours of my hot sauce distilled into the vodka and it's amazing. So now like the whole world's drinking shit the bed vodka. So funny. That's uh... it's just it's funny. It's so like just the naming of it, everything. And that's like, I get because that's a good combo actually. Because uh, it's not, no one, I don't like the Sweden stuff in the vodka that much. So that sounds like more my style actually. How spicy is Do the you, vodka? It's pretty hot. Do you like uh, a Bloody Mary? Ah, like, yes. Who doesn't really? Yeah. You know, some people do. So many people I say, oh, do you like Bloody Marys? And they go, can't do tomato juice. Ah, oh, can't. It's like blood. Nah, nah. Like, but it's not blood, it's tomatoes <laughs> and their juice. And, and all these people are like, it's too much like blood. Like, yeah. Who's drinking blood around here? <laughs> Do you have um, pasta? <laughs> yeah. Who put yeah, blood no, on this spaghetti? So it, it is actually really, really quite hot. So you water it down with tomato juice and then you just get the best Bloody Mary ever. Ah, okay. Nice, nice, nice. That's a that's a good uh it's a good pitch for it. Yeah. I'm like oh, to be fair, I, I usually do Bloody Marys the day after. That's when I'm yes. eating the Bloody Marys. Not uh, on the night. The night of is a. Uh, I've never done one actually. I don't think I've ever had a Bloody Mary not hungover. Now that I think about it, but when you're hungover, yeah, absolutely I have. hits the spot. But I have also regurgitated uh, Bloody Marys before, and oh let me tell you, people freak out when they see you start doing a red vomit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so, this is hilarious. Like people were like, "She's spewing up blood." Yeah, that's, that's, I like it how like so public funny. this spewing was. By the way, yeah. <laughs> this is... it was. He was in front of, cu- of a, a couple of people. Yeah. Oh, anyway. look. I hope at the time you maybe leaned into it a bit. You're like, "What is this? Oh my god!" <laughs> that wasn't recent, by the way. That this was, yeah, this was ten or more years ago. Yeah, and I was at a festival, and it. And yeah, it was. Anyway, let's stop talking about my spew. Okay. Okay. Well, look, yeah. I didn't well, exactly bring this behind up. me. <laughs> I'm a grown woman now. Now my children mm. spew. I deal with that. That's, <laughs> that's how it works. It's a circle of life. Um, the okay. So the reason I was asking is just to get a gauge on like why I guess. So you're in London. You're living there for ten years. Obviously, you had a fun time. You got stalked and eventually settled <laughs> down. I guess slightly. Um, and then did you just decide you wanted to move back to Perth? Is that how that worked? Yeah, we, uh, we've got this expression, leave the party while you're still having fun. So yeah. we left London, we, we were still having a ball, but we, we could actually see that the economy in Perth was pumping. Mm-hmm. This was back in about 2012. Yeah, so this, this works out to be, it was such good timing, came back here, I made this batch of hot sauce and it turned out sort of too hot or it wasn't that good. So I gave it away and then everybody just started throwing money at me for it, like $15 for a tiny little bottle and I realized, hang on a minute, this is this is this is a business. But if I had have tried to start this business when Perth's economy was tanking, no one would be throwing fifteen dollars around for a little bottle of sauce. So the timing worked out perfectly. We left London at the right moment. This business started at the right moment. You know, it's always timing. Yeah. So you, you've probably known people over the years who've started businesses that were a great idea, but it was bad time. Mm. Well, that's a that I, I 100% agree. I think that's a part which people can sometimes mistake um, with this stuff, where it's like, oh, you know, if you do everything right, but it's like sometimes you just yeah, if the timing's not right, if something's just off, it's just there's there's luck involved. Obviously, the hard work's a given, and that's absolutely important. But yeah, there is that element of luck which I think sometimes people cannot give the credit to, like with the timing and stuff like that. Um, 
the do you know what do you know what george yeah i believe it was the power of my subconscious mind <laughs> i could that s- made it happen <laughs> I can feel like you, I feel like you, you you want to lean in. You want to get into the title of the book. We are. I think we've got enough grounding now. So the name of your yeah. book uh, is "The Power of Your Subconscious Mind" by Joseph Murphy, <laughs> Doctor Joseph Murphy. I think mm. he's a doctor. He's a doctor. Yeah, that's it. so you know he's right. Um, so <laughs> um, yeah, well, as you mentioned, that's the power of subconscious. Mind. Okay, so firstly, a quick summary of the book. It seems like it's just it's just one of those essentially a self-help sort of book about uh, harnessing your mind's patterns to. Yeah, the law of attraction. So uh, I think this came out in the 50s or 60s, very Mm. old book. I I used to see it on my grandfather's bookshelf when I was a kid. We used to have sleepovers at Pa's house and I would just lie there looking at this bookshelf and this book just, just stared at it, stared at it, stared at it as a kid. But I didn't read it because I was a kid and I was illiterate and I didn't like reading books mm-hmm. and I still <laughs> can't really read books. Um, it's like I have ADD and I can't read books. I can only listen to audio books. Yep. But, so I saw this book my whole life and never read it. And then when I moved to London and when you first moved to London and you're young and I'd spent all my money and I'd done all this travelling and I was living in this terrible like share house DOS place. <laughs> it was above a pub and there were all these Kiwis and Canadians and weird Scottish people. It was just this <laughs> this halfway house of losers and that's why I was there and I lived there for six months and I'd spent all my money. I was literally being made homeless because I couldn't even afford to pay rent in this shithole and I was moving my stuff to go move to my friend's house and sleep on her floor, you know, to start the next chapter of my life. Yeah. And as I was sort of grabbing stuff out of this bar, I looked up and there was this shelf full of books and crap and stuff and the power of your subconscious mind literally fell off the bookshelf and hit me on the head. And I went, hang on a minute, this is the book that I looked at. Like my eyes, I couldn't take my eyes off this book as a child, but I never read it. And then this book has literally fallen on my head. And so I said to the guy whose bar it was, I was like, Andy, whose is this? He's like, don't I, never seen it before, get rid of it. So I took it with me and I started reading this book when I had no money, sleeping on a floor, Um, all my friends in London who they were they all had jobs where they earned about 40 to 60 pounds a day which that that was the economy back then you know if you worked in a bar or worked in a clothes shop 40 to 60 pounds a day and uh, i was struggling to get bar work because it was christmas time and everything was had shut down all the offices had shut down like london just dies over that time of year so i had no money i had no way of making any money i was living off a i had a 500 pound overdraft on my credit card. That was all the bank would give me. And I was like, right, I've got 500 pounds to turn it around. London. Okay. Come on, show me what you can do. And, and, and I had this book. And so I started reading this book and this book basically says, believe that something good is going to happen. Like decide that you want something good to happen. And then you have to feel like it's already happened and you have to walk around with that attitude. So I was like, okay, I've got loads of money. And so I started walking around London like, I am so rich. I've got lots of money. Even though I was broke. I was broke, living on a floor. I could I could hear my friends like not bitching about me, but like whispering about me in the other room like, what's going to happen when, she, when her overdraft's done? She's going to have to go home. Her parents will have to buy her a ticket. Like all my friends are getting worried about me. Yeah. And you'll never guess what happened in the space of a month, George, after reading this book. Mm-hmm. I got that job at Reuters International News Agency. And I made like four thousand pounds in a month, which my friends are earning forty quid a day. Yeah, 
40 quid a day, like what is that, 200 quid a week, 200 to 300 quid a week they're bringing home. I start making two to 300 quid a day and paid off all my debts, put down a deposit on a flat. Like I basically went from like the brokest person ever to the richest person out of everyone in the space of a month because of that book. Amazing. The book just the book just told me like don't worry about your problems, think about how good it's going to be when everything's sorted out. So and it worked. Like I assumed. And was- that was my first 6 months and then I stayed there for 10 years just killing it and having a ball and it was I swear if it wasn't for that book I would have had to leave London. I- Okay, so uh, like that, that, that. I mean, it's a good reason for it to be a favorite book, firstly. Yeah. Um, but also, like, so I'm guessing there were some steps between you walking around like you own the place and you getting this job. <laughs> um, like, d- did you, like, were you applying like mad before that, or did this help you give you a push to like try to get a job? Like, I guess that side of things, because obviously it didn't fall out of the sky, this yeah. job. Obviously, you must have been applying like crazy or something at the time, right? Yeah, exactly. So I'd been there for six months and I was trying nonstop to get a job. And and I did keep calling this guy at Reuters every couple of weeks. I was like, hey, mate, got a job yet? And he'd just say, not yet. He wasn't saying, no, go away. You're no good. He was just like, not yet, mm-hmm. not yet, not yet. And then I picked up this book and started reading it. And then I remembered, oh, let me call that guy. And rather than saying not yet, he said, when can you come in? <laughs> and like, I was in there by the end of the week getting trained. And then they just threw like 20 or 30 shifts at me. And I I won the lotto. Wow. It's like winning the lotto. Yeah. Earning that much money in London in a month. Yeah. And especially like considering where you'd come from with it. That's like as in living on a friend's floor. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but that's, I guess that's part of that that I find interesting because I'm always, whenever people talk to me about their favorite one, I'm always like, uh, it's almost like a chicken and the egg thing. Like how much did this book appeal to a part of you that you already had and how much did it like reframe you? Um, in your perspective on things, I guess, like um, were there techniques in the book that you were then using like ongoing since then, I guess, that that it taught you or was it more just like that attitude? Yeah, this is what annoys me is that I look back now and I'm like, wow, I used that book to to turn my life around at that point and then I forgot about it. (laughs) Things would get really bad, but every now and then I would remember, oh, no, remember what happened last time. You just have to don't focus on the negative focus on the positive and how good everything is now. And then that's what you attract into your life. It is the law of attraction. It's a law. Whatever you think about and focus on is what you attract into your life. So don't think about how bad it is or how negative everything is. And yeah. that's, and that's you know, and then you look at this this crazy business journey I've had. And so long as you, you understand that principle of don't get stuck in the downward spiral of getting negative, think about the positive and you get lifted up and good things happen. Mm. So do you like, uh, I don't know, I guess, do you have techniques you use when like you find yourself getting stuck in the negative or is it just more like, nah, just remember the stuff that was fun or remember, I don't know, go for a walk or eat a nice meal? Like, is there something you do maybe to help with that habit, I guess? Um, I always find myself having a Bloody Mary. <laughs> Change my state. No, but the, <laughs> the most important bad. thing, yeah, it, I know, it, it works. Um, hmm. But the most important thing is to feel happy on the inside. So sometimes you just feel, you know, if you're, you're actually hungover or you're really tired or whatever, it's hard to feel good, but you have to trick yourself and you have to go, oh, what's it going to feel like when I've got that thing that I want? You can't just think, think positive thoughts, think positive thoughts, think positive thoughts. You actually have to feel what it will feel like when you get that. So you have to be able to fake. And this this is what you have to work out. What can you look at around your house? What can you do? Or what beer can you drink to make you go, oh, I feel really good. 
And if you can feel really good, then you can attract the good things to you. Yeah. No, it's definitely true. No, no one wants to hang around the sad sack, I guess. It's like you're not going to be doing that much. You're going to be sitting there so getting that. But the idea of doing it emotionally, is uh, that's interesting. Yeah. You have to change your emotion. You have to change that feeling. And I think I'm really good at just getting really excited. If you can do that, if you can just kind of go, come on, let's get excited. Let's have some energy. That's, that's the trick. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm picking up on that now, to be honest. <laughs> you're good at getting excited. <laughs> um, excited. Well, yeah. So, all right, all right. So, so did you have that? Um, yeah, I'm trying to. Okay, firstly, so actually, let's go back. You said how your dad was so judgmental of you being late starting a multi-million dollar multinational corporation. Um, did you have? Have you got like any brothers and sisters? Any siblings? I like, I like the word conglomerate. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I've got an older brother and two older sisters, and they're like they're all loser, like computer programmers and lawyers, and you know, losers. Yeah, yeah. Absolute losers. Dweebs. <laughs> yeah. Every, they've been getting paid every month of their life since forever. When you start your own business, there are long periods where you don't get paid and you can't get negative mm. about it. You have to be like, no, the good times are coming. The good times are coming. And so having a grounding with a book like this, if, if anyone's listening to this because they're an entrepreneur and they think they want to learn something from me, from my journey, you've got to, you've got to be able to change your state. You've got to be able to get excited when the chips are really down because they're always there's always periods where they're down in business. Mm. Yeah, everything's on the line. So is that something you like? Have you always been pretty good at that anyway? Like, as in, um, I don't know when you were younger, I guess as well. Was that kind of an attitude? Well, you had? what I've what I've realized after I'm you know turned my life around in that instance, I I realized times in my life in the past where I've used the law of attraction to get something that I really really wanted, and and the it was just single-minded focus. Basically you wake up and all you think about all day long is that thing that you want. Mm. And you that's where you've got to make sure it's a good thing that you want. So for instance, me, I got into the Academy of Performing Arts when I was 18. I auditioned when I was 18 and everyone said, don't get your hopes up. They, they don't like to take anyone under the age of 21. Don't get your, your hopes up. And if I had have listened to them, I would have just been walking around going, oh, I'm not going to get in. I'm not going to get in. But instead I just walked around going, no, I'm going to get in because there's no plan B. There is no plan B here. And when I've mentored some young people actually on how to get into the Academy of Performing Arts <laughs> and this one kid said to me, Barnes, there's no plan B. I, I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't get in. And I said, that means you're going to get in. Like, congratulations, that's, that's why you're going to get in because you wake up every day and all you think about is how much better your life's going to be once you get that thing. And so I realised, yeah, times in my life where, if you're just single-mindedly focused about that one thing that you want and you feel good about it and you're a bit excited about it, oh, once I get it, it's going to be good, mm. then you will attract that to you. No, that's, yeah, like as in that's a very, you're right, this is very much that rule of attraction sort of mental attitude thing, I guess. I just find it interesting because like I probably, just uh, go from a personal point of view, I've uh, probably struggled to have that level of focus. So for me to do it, it's very much a it requires a conscious effort and it does work. Like when you try to be like, okay, just remember, yeah. what are you doing this for? <laughs> you know, like that kind of attitude being like, just remember why and like get yourself into that mindset. Um, that's what I'm interested to hear. Yeah. Okay. It is, it is a kind of inspirational thing as well, being having that multi-million dollar business then also having the kids and stuff and being a, were you a mum? Actually, what point was your first kid? It seemed like, uh, when was that? Oh, yeah. She's only, she's only five, five years ago. So the, uh, oh, okay. yeah. So the business uh, had started and was just sort of eking along as a hobby and then 
as I'm pregnant, pretty much exactly as this baby comes out of me, the business blew up at the same moment. And I don't know what that was about. I didn't, I didn't visualize that, but we were running a, a crowdfunding campaign at the exact same moment that I was having this baby yeah. and it just sort of went viral um, and blew up. You know, Kyle and Jackie O actually got, got hold of a bottle of shit the bed and did this prank live on air. And then it, it, that just went viral. It got like 800,000 views or something and mm. everyone in Australia bought it. And it was just like instantly blew up. Mm. When that happened, that's such a like, that's such a big step up. Were you like, were you? Have you always made hot sauce? No, I didn't even eat chili. So didn't even eat chili when I left London. We went on this holiday to Mexico and Central America. This is another good point. I I believe that when you lie, when you get really calm and comfortable, and you just lie there holding an alcoholic beverage, staring at the ocean every day, just thinking, I don't have to do anything today. And when you relax, that's when you get really good inspiration or ideas. And so it was while I was on this sort of three-month holiday through Mexico and Central America and South America that every day I just started eating hot sauce and I just started thinking about, when I get home, I can't wait to make some of this. Oh, I'm going to put some of this in it. I'm going to put some of that in it. And I created this recipe in my head the whole time I was on holiday. And then, yeah, so all of the most amazing ideas will come to you when you're lying there really calmly, that's when you can receive the the wisdom and inspiration. Yeah. I'll, have you ever found that? Some of your best ideas have come when you've been on holidays doing nothing. Oh, I'm a big believer in uh, downtime. That's uh, well, actually, but fun, like with something like creative, like be clear headed. Like I think that's the whole idea that creative insight can only come from being kind of relaxed a little Calm. bit. Yeah. Yep. And letting those thoughts come in. And if you're just rushing around too much, yeah, the funny doesn't come. No. Nah. That's it. And uh, yeah, just have, it, you, it's and it, like I guess the the other side of with that uh, to go back to the book with this stuff as well because I'm thinking about it because I, I read it. It seems like uh, it turned some people off because it was written, like you said, in the '60s, and uh, it does reference. It uses God. religious, yeah, language yeah. for what it does. It says it keeps talking about God, mm-hmm. and people think, oh no, this is Christian. They're talking about that that one omnipotent being up there, but the word God. And this, uh, the sooner that you, you understand that a lot of people use the word God in reference to their higher self, their, their, their personal sort of spiritual guides that follow them around, that's their God. Um, and it helps them blend in with the Christians and everyone else to, to use this word. And that's why he would have written it like that back in the day rather than saying, oh, your spirit guides or your imaginary friends that follow you around. But he says God, and then everyone's like, oh, yes, yes, I've heard of this God thing. Let's just believe in that one person. But you've got to understand that it's everyone's got their own personal God that follows them around mm. and puts those funny ideas into your head. Yeah, yeah. And that's a it's, – It's not one guy. It's not one guy. <laughs> everyone's got their own gods. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do. I, I get like – it's interesting it says that because uh, – yeah, the, I've I've read a few things about like that the concept of because yeah, saying, essentially the subconscious in many ways is God, I guess in terms of that's the yeah. part that will attract, will repel, will do the stuff that you don't really understand and stuff like yes. it's operating on a yeah. different level. Yeah, I've um, the thing that you don't understand, like the the thing that said to me one day, make one called shit the bed, make. Make it really hot and call it shit the bed. And I'm like, <laughs> that's really funny. I'm going to do that. I don't know who's told me to do that, but I'm going to do it. That was God. Yeah, that's, that's 
Exactly. Yeah. God spoke to you directly. That's all that <laughs> God speaking to you directly is, is being that. And it's funny you're saying that because you're like, you're open to it as well, obviously. Yeah. Because I was just lying there. I was lying there on a sun lounge in Indonesia, just going, oh, what am I drinking a bintang? Just going, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do? Make one cold shit the bed. I got to say, your subconscious speaks to you really creepily a little bit. <laughs> Make one cold shit the bed. <laughs> <laughs> and you should, yeah, when you go on that podcast, talk about this book and you help people. Well, Don't talk about Anthony Kiedis' scar tissue. I, that won't help anyone. That's a good book. It is a good book as well. I was going to say, that's not a, I didn't, well, I haven't read it in a long time, but yeah, I love that. I was probably the best autobiography i've read yeah I ever i i listen to it and like tears come out of my eye when he says things like you know so we shared the bill with pearl jam and nirvana and oh so like porno for pyros and red hot chili peppers you know just a little gig in la yeah. back in like 95 or 96 and i'm just going oh could you imagine being in that gig yeah <laughs> pearl jam nirvana and the red hot chili peppers and it was probably like two bucks to get in it's just the grunge scene. Yeah. Anyway, we're not we're not here to talk about that book. Oh, it looks it's it's we're open to talk about anything. It's, it's all about getting insight into you as well with all this stuff. So you know, it's fine. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To get to talk about that, because we were actually, we were going to talk about another book as well, um, which was, uh, because yeah, again, doing my background research, it seems like it had an impact on you from your description as well. Uh, which is uh, Tim Ferriss's one, The 4-Hour Workweek. The 4-Hour Workweek, which is the book that we read in 2010. We both read it. So we're both, you know, I go to work and work as a, a TV journo in inverted commas. And, um, you know, there were televisions there and cameras, but we didn't do much journalism. Yeah. But, uh, and my husband, you know, had a hardcore office job. And we read this book and this book basically pr proposes this tantalizing notion that, you can create a business online that and all the work gets done by people in remote locations and you can just lie on a beach drinking cocktails while the money just flows in. So we set up this business, which was making personalised children's books. So you could log in online and plug in what your child looks like and things that they're interested in, like my child likes horses and football and, and uh, you know, tennis. And then this completely unique one-of-a-kind book would spit out and it would get printed in Australia or the UK, and we could just lie on a beach anywhere earning money. And we did. We actually made that happen, but it was Tim Ferriss's book that that made us do that. Mm. So that that was literally a life-changing book. Yeah, that's like I, I, I'm impressed by that idea as well. Like how did you guys come up with that? It's a good idea. The kids' book. Yeah. Uh, we, we read a book. We read a book. I don't know why we started reading this book. We didn't even have children, but it was <laughs> called Battle, Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother. And it's about this Asian woman. She's American, uh, Amy Chua, I think her name is. And she 
She raised her children in the Asian style, which is where you're just really mean to them and you make them do heaps of maths and you make them do, like, it sounds racist. You know, it's like, is this book racist? And you read it and she's like, no, no, this is just what Asians do. Mm. Like, it was really interesting. And we thought, well, what about that principle but for little kids? So you can give them this book that kind of nudges them in the direction you want them to go in. So rather than yelling at them like, come and do your bloody violin, She's like, hey, how about you read this book where the kitty really has fun playing musical instruments? And there was a theme in the book, which is she tries it and it's not very fun. So she wants to give up. But, you know, the dog says, now, come on, keep going, because nothing's fun unless you're good at it. Mm. And And so kids, you know, when you start trying to play tennis or something, it's really hard. You want to give up because you're not good at it. So it's it was just about persevere, persevere until you learn how to do it. And then once you're good at something, then it's fun. Yeah, but Amy Amy Chua's way was by like torturing her children and being really mean to them. <laughs> she would threaten to throw their toys out. She'd be like, "Either you do that, or when you get home, all your toys won't be here." Oh wow! Okay, That's... good book, funny book. Yeah, <laughs> seems aggressive. I guess <laughs> it's definitely. But it worked. It's... I think I think one of her kids is a concert pianist now, or something like that. Mm. That's uh, that's true. Uh, that's a classic thing with the kids, right? How how do you yeah. give them the appropriate push? Um, we're, we're actually, going down. It's, it's, it's funny because it's still got that same sort of uh, drive, sort of uh, single-mindedness, obviously. But you were trying to frame it in a kind of more positive way with your book versus what <laughs> Amy Chung had done with hers. Yeah. Um, did you have that? Like, so you mentioned how your, your your older siblings were like a bit more uh, generic, but like obviously skilled in what they were doing, but more of the classic life path. Um, were your parents like? pretty forceful with like guiding people that way or were they like do whatever you want or it sounds like your dad might have nah, been a bit more strict. Yeah, they, they were pretty much like just don't end up on the pole. You know? All right. <laughs> Let's see how you turn out. No, um, no, they were, nah, my parents have been awesome. And the reason why I kind of got into this, they were, they've got a winery and they were making wine and it wasn't until mum listened to God one day and she put a chilli in a bottle of wine and she made this chilli wine and nobody had ever tasted chili wine before, and it sold its tits off. And then all these chili festivals started popping up around Perth. So they all of a sudden found themselves having this roaring business because they put chili in wine. And so when I came back, and I'm like, I really like hot sauce. And Mum said, oh, You wouldn't believe how much money people pay. Like the hotter you make it, the more they pay for it, Renee. And I was like, You don't say, Lee. And then and then this happened. So. They kind of paved the way for me a bit. Oh, right. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's almost a family biz making spicy products. Yeah, <laughs> and now you've done it. Got, totally was. And then you've done the spicy vodka now. So it's really like lining up perfectly. It is. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> Life is weird. But, you know, it's subconsciously, maybe I wanted to get into the family business. Maybe I wanted to spend more time with my parents. Maybe I wanted to have something more in common with my parents after having not seen them much for 10 years. So that could have been something. A- God said to me. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Like that's a, yeah, it's true. Like that, that it's who can unpack exactly where one ends and the other begins, I guess, in that sense. Like, yeah. yeah. Cause yeah, I've read the four hour work as well. It's a, uh, it's great. And it is, it, it, the, the picture it paints is like quite inspiring in that sense. And it's impressive. You and your husband both were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do this. Yeah. But you know what, you know what Tim Ferriss doesn't tell you, you know, what he doesn't mention in the- he doesn't tell you that uh, in order for a business to grow, you need more money. So all of that money that was coming in from the books that we were spending on, you know, 50 cent margaritas in Mexico, we were having a great time. But then once we came back to Perth and we realised, right, we need we need more money out of these books because beer is really expensive here. 
okay, well, we're going to need to make more books. Oh, well, that means that we can't take the profits and spend it on beer because uh, we've got to use those profits to make more books to make this business grow. And that's the first lesson you learn in business. If you want it to get bigger, you need more money to set these things up. And people like my dad will go, no, well, you know, don't borrow money, just, you know, whatever profits you make, you know, you just use that. And it's like, yeah, and that's why businesses just flatline mm. or just stay the same because you, you need to invest money to create this vodka or create this new product, which is the, the point that we're at now. But Tim Ferriss doesn't tell you that. He's just like, yeah, no, everything will just be fine. Just go for it. <laughs> I think, yeah, well, look, I, get, I think it comes down to how much you want to, how big you want the thing to be as well. So if, it sounds like if you were happy to sit on that beach and keep sipping those 50 cent margaritas, you actually were in a good place, right? Yes. If I had have lived in Mexico for the rest of my life, we would have been like high-fiving each other like, yeah, we've made it. We've done it. Yeah. But we came back here to the land of tax and yeah. $13 pints. I think the price has come down now, actually. But like when we got back, it's like fourteen bucks for a pint. What's yeah. going on? You guys are, yeah, <laughs> WA can be surprised sometimes. Like, How is it this? Yeah, no, that's okay. So yeah, like, so did you? It's it's just funny because you came back, obviously. So you were kind of like done, like not done, obviously, but like you kind of wanted to settle down a bit, have a bit of a base of operations, and is that like what was it the was, attitude? It was actually yeah. At the age of thirty three or so, to pull yourself away from London, where you know just having so much fun, but we, we did have to pull ourselves away because we realised it was time to buy a house, settle down, start putting the roots down to get things done in time. And I've seen other friends who stayed a little bit too long in London, got back a little bit too late, and there's there's just too much work to get done whilst still trying to have babies and, mm. you know, it's just life, man. Life with a Y got in the way. Well, look, it sounds like it worked out pretty well because you came back and obviously started this business and doing great. Did you um but the, the I guess one of the things I'm wondering I'm noticing with this though is because like as you as you mentioned at the start, I've been trying to chat to you for like a year. <laughs> More like six <laughs> months, whatever, uh, whatever. Yeah. Because you have a habit of going um off grid a little bit or going somewhere where maybe uh it's Wi-Fi is a little bit harder to hit. Is that um do you like disengaging from all that stuff, I guess, a little bit. Is that part of the lifestyle you wanted with your husband, just to be like, I want to yeah. go somewhere and be a bit more chill rather than just... I, I want to spell life with an I, not a Y. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Life with the Y, mum life, yeah. hard work. Mum life. So, yeah. Mum life. So the way we've Hustle set life. up this hot sauce, <laughs> the way we've set up the hot sauce business is that it can all be done remotely from our laptops because we had that, because we read Tim's book, because we had the experience with the kids' book, we thought, all right, well, the next business, let's make sure that we're not tethered to an office or to staff or to the factory or to anything like that. So the way we've set it up, we can literally just pack up our laptops, go in a caravan and go and live wherever we want and get the work done. And that's what we're about to, that's what I did last year. That's why I couldn't talk to you for a while. I mean, I could have talked to you, but, you know, would have chewed up a lot of my data. That's all right. <laughs> no, I, I was in a rush. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't me being judgmental. There would, have been, there would have been kids screaming. There would have been emus attacking. Mm. Just, yeah, it was, I was in the wilds of Western Australia. I've always really wanted to do actually that. I, I really want to do that drive from uh, Perth up to Broome one time. Um, it just seems like the most magical sort of adventure. Uh, I wouldn't use the word magical. No. <laughs> Boring. Really? Make sure you've got a good rhubarb. Oh yeah, they uh, they come for you. Like the kangaroos will see you, and they'll just be like, "Hey, friendly person!" 
Oops. It's that's not magical. Oh, I've, but it's it it actually is that when whenever Europeans come over to Perth, they're like, oh, I just want to see nothing. Like, well, we got a lot of that. Yeah. yeah, they just want to be able to get in a car and drive and just not see houses and not see power lines and not see people and not see Audis mm. and. That's all we've got. See real like the untouched stuff where it's like just nothing. Yeah. And and and, yeah. and it's like beach stretch of beaches, right? Where you can just drive down for like hours just on the beach. Like yeah. up the coast, right? Yeah, but that makes me nervous. Don't 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 drive too far from civilization on a beach because tides come in, you get bogged. No. Oh. I just see the problems. You're like, yeah, this is gonna be fun. And I'm the one in the back going, no, no. No, no, we'll get bogged. The tide will come in. We'll lose the car. We're an hour from the shops. Yeah. Ah, oh, you've changed so much from the <laughs> sleeping on a rat-infested floor <laughs> in a London apartment. But to go back to the 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 yeah, the getting out and getting away from uh, civilization in some ways. Not civilization, obviously. You're still living in a house and all that stuff, but that that desire, I guess, because some people want to travel and they want to see different cities and stuff. But it sounds like you really like that rural living a little bit, or something a bit quieter. Is that an yeah. accurate guess or is that? Yeah, well, we went to Broome last year for a couple of months and the, the goal was to just keep going. But then there was, yeah, there were COVID question marks and Broome was just awesome. Like you, you just go, what was that noise? And you walk over and look through a fence and there's a massive crocodile just being kept in a cage just in suburbia. And you say to people, the na- you know, the, na- the locals like, um, excuse me, are there massive crocodiles in that pen? They're like, yeah, that's the old crocodile farm. They can't be bothered moving them, so they just left them there. Sometimes we get little baby crocs in our pool, you know, after like hatchling season. I'm like, what the actual F? And it's right next door to a pub. And a few years ago, this guy got really drunk, jumped a fence, ran in there, jumped on the back of this one crocodile called Fatso. Fatso went his leg like took a big chunk out of his leg. This is, it's just the craziest. It is literally the Wild West. What? <laughs> and I just love going to places like that and just seeing like, this is where I live. This place is mental. It's absolutely mental. <laughs> and yeah, everybody drives down the beach and that's just different to city life. So we're going to go do that for a bit. Yeah, it does sound like the, the polar opposite in a lot of ways from London living with that sort of thing. Which is a, uh, and I, I got to love like lifestyle wise as well, because obviously you come back to reality, like not reality, but like come back to like the busiest sort of city and you're probably running around doing a million things. And then you just go back to like, it's such a big swing in what you do, which I kind of rate, to be honest. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny you saying that like the universe will provide actually to, <laughs> to dive back with what we were saying before about like the God and people's different definition being the subconscious. Cause I think that's the other side of it, which people don't realize when they say God, because it's not just your subconscious. It's it's more than just you. It's more like if you put that energy out, the the world reacts to it, and that's kind of like that same thing. If you know, like I don't know if I'm explaining yeah. that properly, but it's more like it's it's more it's not just you internally that causes these things, but it's that attitude then gets reflected in a million different ways around you. You know, but you're walking down the street, and you know, like <laughs> this is a terrible example, but like in London, we we just sort of been kicked out of this festival, and I said to Matt. It's only one thing I want to do right now. I looked down and there was, I found a bag of weed on the ground. And I was like, what? What are the chances of that? <laughs> wow. And then I walked down the street and there was a Rizzler promo girl handing out rolling paper, free pack. Like, who needs Rizzlers? I was like, what are the chances of that? And then we walked into this bar 
and the, and it was right next to my friend's house. And the guy said, hey, you're Ralph's friend, aren't you? He left the keys to his house for you. There you go, Renee. I was like, what are the chances of that? Within the space of five minutes, we'd walked from the, the that festival in uh, where all the bloody Australians lived down south, Clapham. Yeah. Within five minutes, I'd found a bag of weed. Someone had handed me rizzles and a key to a house. And I was like, oh, the universe delivered. Well, this is the universe. I can't even believe that happened. That actually happened. I know. That's, that's just, yeah. No wonder you've got this attitude. <laughs> if this is the universe but, is doing for you. Yeah. It's like how often, like that's the best one ever. And my friend Matt that I was with was just, just couldn't speak. He was just shaking his head. Like, I, I, who are you? What? What, ma- what kind of magic is this? I was so up myself for the rest of the night. I, was just, <laughs> I, am, I am God. I'm God. <laughs> I think I'm God. I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm God. I've, I made this happen. I've thought about it, guys, and, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely God. That's, uh... But um, if anyone's listening to this and, and they are still listening to this <laughs> um, and you want – so recently I found out about and because I, I heard a snippet from a Joe Rogan Experience podcast um, – more accessible information about the law of attraction and this sort of thing is from Esther and Jerry Hicks. Just go and just just do a deep dive on Esther and Jerry Hicks and the teachings of Abraham. So she basically started channeling her God, which they said we are Abraham, and they've given her all this information. And just anyway, if you want to fall down a hole on this, just go get into Esther and Jerry Hicks and Abraham and, oh, you'll never be the same. Wow, okay, yeah. I can, I'm always up yeah. for the... Um... Nice. So, she's, she, like, she channels people. She channels these spirits who just that all these spirits want us to know is how to use the law of attraction, really, so that you can get what you want in life. Yeah, that it's, it's crazy. That sounds just, like. So I'm. Uh, I. I don't know. I've always. I don't know about that. Is that something which like, like she actually channels people? Yeah, it's a collection of consciousnesses. You know, because you know when you die. Your mm-hmm. body dies, but your your consciousness lives on. It just apparently our consciousness isn't afraid of dying. That's why some people just die in their sleep. It's like, oh no, they died in their sleep. What a mystery! You know what? They just decided they'd had enough of this life, and that that consciousness went on. So she's really helped me to understand that what's actually going on. Why do we have this consciousness in our head? And when you die, your consciousness moves on. And inside all of us, we've lived many many lives, and that the wisdom from all of those lives is inside us and you've just got to try and tap into it. And that's why people get inspiration when they're meditating because this, this consciousness or memory comes through in, in little things, you know, and say, look at the ground. There's a bag of weed on the ground. Just look down right now. You know, this anyway, it's a, it's a massive rabbit hole to fall down. Esther and Jerry Hicks. Oh man, this, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, it's I'm finding that very interesting because, like, my my, I, I've got like a like I definitely de- am not against anyone's views on stuff like that. It just for me, I've got like a bit more of a science. Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. But like at the same time, I'm not dismissing it in terms of. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff in terms of subconsciously and how that can impact the stuff around us that I totally think can be couched in language of like, like you said here, we're using the words of God and stuff like that, which are actually probably still, if you really wanted to get down to some technical nitty gritty, can be explained from some sort of science point of view, but it's just not effective. But in terms of actual channeling spirit stuff, I guess that's where I'm a bit more um, 
what are you guys on about? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not you, saying in a mean way. It's just Mike. Yeah, we all got yeah, different yeah. views on that stuff. I know. I like to look at them and just go, "Is this really happening?" And then, and then I actually, I don't care if she's really channeling or not. The information coming out of her mouth is stuff you need to hear. Just forget whether she's a char- a charlatan or a phony or whatever. Mm. The stuff coming out of her mouth is just like, "Whoa! How do you know that? How do you know that?" Um, there's actually a show on Netflix at the moment. Uh, I think it's called supernatural Mm -hmm. and they make the really good point that how come everybody who's died and had near-death experiences how come they all say the same thing how come they all go towards the light and then once you go to the light you see spirits you see dead people that you've known in your life and they welcome you and make you feel safe and comfortable and that they all talk about just feeling love and warmth and then someone says to them no it's not your time go back and then they all of a sudden find themselves you know trapped in a car or in the hospital bed, everybody has the same near-death experience. And this is, you know, Esther and Jerry kind of tell you why because the same thing happens to all of us. You're conscious, like your brain leaves your body and goes up and looks down at your body and then you decide, oh, it's not my time, I better go back. Right. Yeah, see, again, again and I'm not saying, uh, I guess my, my, my knee-jerk thought to that, I guess, is always like maybe some chemicals that get released. Um <laughs> induce that kind of feeling in people um, exactly that's kind of but like obviously it ends up being the same thing but uh yeah that's uh, but that's in this show that's the thing in this show you say all right let's look at some of these weirdos what are these weirdos got to say and they're scientists there's one woman who's like no like i am a science 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 person i don't know what they're called you know them science <laughs> scientists and she's like and it happened to me and i had a near-death experience and this happened and i don't know they've studied everyone who does it who's who's had these experiences it's just fascinating if you care about that stuff i think it's called supernatural right did you have you ever had any sort of experiences like that not that i know not that i can think of not that i can remember but i've always been fascinated with it ever since i was a kid oh really and th- and that book you know i just grew up staring at that book but i never picked it up and read it well, actually- and then the book Fell on my head. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> some other god head. just threw it at you. <laughs> just for God's sake, just read the damn thing. <laughs> Stop living yeah. on the floor. Your, that was your grandpa. His spirit sent it. It down. was. It was probably pa. Yeah. Because uh, it's funny. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so you're saying you're always into that. I, I just find it interesting, like, uh, what kind of hooks people in. So I guess if it was on your grandpa's thing, obviously, you know, there's, he at least read it. Um, oh, he had the weirdest books. He had stuff on UFOs <laughs> and psychic abilities, and uh, I got I ended up with some of his books, but they were just all you know stuff you'd call weird. But Pa was totally into all this stuff. The last, I guess, just to go back to the business for a second, I guess because uh, that's obviously part of your life now. So, do you? I guess for well, firstly, do you have plans now, or is it like the vodka thing, and now you're going to kind of take some time off and? focus on that a little bit or is any more stuff in the future you got planned? So last year we raised $2 million. I see again, power of the subconscious mind. Who's going to, who's going to invest $2 million in a silly little shit, the bed, hot sauce business for people, the people reach into their pockets. We raised $2 million and that money is so that we can expand the business. Like I was explaining before, we're making new products. So, you know, there's going to be a range of alcohol. There's going to be a range of new condiments and stuff. So we are we're busily making new stuff. Right, nice. Yeah, it's good. Although uh, from what I read, it sounds like even at home, it's it's not the same kind of work that you were doing a few years ago, just sprinting around, pitching everywhere, and trying to get all the money together and sell the product. Or is it kind of just yeah, as busy no. now? 
now it's just fun stuff. Like I log online and I see what the graphic designer's done and I see what a food technologist's done and I see what distillers have done and I just get to do the fun stuff, which is just like, oh, yeah, thumbs up. You're doing a good job. Yeah, you, you're doing a good job. Thumbs up and do it more like, you know, I'd, rather than being the one in the kitchen just cooking all the sauce. Like this this business just started with so much hard yakka and now we're, we're at the Tim Ferriss stage. Yeah. The, even though it's it's never going to be a four hour work week like that was just such a great title but utter bullshit. No business is four hours a week. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, definitely. I think the idea is just maximize your return rather than yeah, actually aim for the four hours a week. Okay. Yeah, but he did he did make the good point of the reason why you can run these businesses is because uh, the, the new rich, so the old rich. You'd get a you'd get a pay rise, so you'd get a bigger mortgage, you get a bigger house, you get a, a car on higher purchase, and you buy all this stuff to impress all the Joneses. Uh, but the new rich, they move to Costa Rica and live on a beach and do yoga every day, and their cost of living's gone down. Or you move to Mexico, or you go to Bali. There's this this has only really come about in the last ten years since the internet has been in our pockets that you don't it, having the traditional life that our parents thought was awesome. Is uh is not the life everyone's going for now. Everybody wants to be able to work from a laptop on a beach. Yeah, that's what we've got. I mean, yeah. if you've got that as an option, I think yeah, a lot of people would probably go for that. Start your day with a nice swim, do some yoga. I think that that sounds like a pretty good. Well, actually, I was going to say the uh, the it, since it is such a part of your company's like law now, like as in part of the the mystique of it, the whole fact that it was called shit the bed, and that's what like made it go gangbusters. Like that's it is a pretty funny. Little side note, bonkers. That. Yeah, and every now and then I remember, and I'll just crack up laughing. Yeah. Like yesterday, I did it yesterday. It just every every I don't know every few months I'll just start pissing myself laughing because I'm like, this is hilarious. How funny is this? And for ages I didn't think it was funny. I was like, why is you know God just told me to do it? But every now and then I just go, nah, this is so funny. Yeah, I can't believe you guys were on the Hot Wings show. I've actually watched that a few times. So yeah, yeah, Johnny a- Knoxville. Yeah, he ate my hot sauce. Yeah, he didn't have a good time. Um, yeah, we got on that, God, a couple of years ago now. And when that happened, that just gave us so much credibility in Australia because Americans raved about it and loved the sauce. And, yeah, the the world is just so small these days. Yeah. This little hot sauce from Perth can get on this show in America that is literally – I don't know how many millions of views I've had now. They used to get about 30 million a month. It's probably 100 million a month now post-COVID. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. That's Yeah, it just shows you how much like – yeah, it is. Look, you guys, you, you learned a lot. It really sounds like you've lived a life learning the right lessons at the right time and then <laughs> implementing them well. i got to say, I'm very impressed. Thanks, and, George. And you must, be pretty, Thanks. you must be pretty happy yourself as well, i got to say. <laughs> things, things have gone pretty well. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. And, uh, yeah, really finding Jerry and Esther Hicks and their books recently has uh, just reminded me of the the process. You know, you think about what you want, think about how happy you'll be when you get that. Mm. So if you're imagining something bad and shitty coming to you and it's making you feel bad, you've got to stop and you've got to flip the script, man. Yeah. George, I want you to set a goal right now in this podcast What's what's your big hairy audacious goal for this podcast? Do you want to? Get, is there some white whale you'd love to get on your show? Uh, is there some numbers you want to hit? Stephen Fry. You want Stephen Fry? Why not? Yes, I love him. Do I've made that joke before. Stephen Fry. Let's put that out okay. there. Okay. Stick a no. Stick a photo of Stephen Fry 
on your fridge. Everyone starts somewhere, but it's about what goals you set and if you know you're working towards them, you'll get there. And I guess also being flexible with it as well, right? Eventually, like like you said with your book, you're like, actually, no, this, this path here is probably better for where you want to get to. Yeah, always have your ears open mm. when God sends you messages. It's, <laughs> Look at the ground. Look at the ground. There could be a bag of weed on the ground. <laughs> We're all searching for that metaphorical bag of weed on the ground. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, well, look, thanks so much for being on. You've been, yeah, really great. Um, is there anything, any shout-outs, anything you want to give a shout-out to in this sense? Everyone should just go and buy Shit the Bed, well, the vodka yes. or the hot sauce, which is available. Go to your local, I- go to your local IGA and buy some Bunster's hot sauce. And if you don't want to shit the bed, we actually make weaker ones and a delicious a barbecue sauce with truffle oil and cacao in it. So you don't even you don't even need to hurt yourself to enjoy our products. Okay. Um, I, I think I, my brother, I think, I'm pretty sure I've, my brother's bought this. He's a bit of a hot sauce guy, so I don't have a chat to him about it. Oh, um, I'm going to send you some. Yeah, I'll get your details. I'm going to send you some. Ah, great. That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right. No worries. Uh, perfect. Well, thanks so much for being on um, and enjoy your time in Broome. Thank you very much. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to SansPantsPlus.com. For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's SansPantsPlus.com.